is talking about health as we jump into chapter 4. Not physical health, but more importantly, our spiritual health. And just as it's important to be physically healthy, it's more important to be spiritually healthy. We've called this series, Who Do You Think You Are? And in the first three chapters, Paul has been telling us, this is who you are as a believer in Jesus Christ. This is positionally who you are. And now he's going to say, okay, now this is what you do with all of that. That you walk worthy of what you've been given. So what Paul is telling us here is that God has gifted pastors to lead the church to equip you guys that are believers to do the work of ministry so that we have a healthy, edified church body and church family. To God's salvation and maturity are not enough. His third desire is that believers are equipped to become spiritual reproducers, to do the work of ministry so that we have healthy Christians and we have healthy churches. Simply put, disciples make disciples. Good morning. Take out your Bibles or your mobile devices this morning. Turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 17 is where we'll pick it up today. It's on page 473 if you're using one of the provided Bibles this morning. I have to be honest with you guys uh, here at the beginning of this message this morning and tell you this is going to be one of the toughest messages that I have delivered at Orchard Church in quite some time. Not because we have a difficult passage, but because the majority of you have your minds on one thing right now, and that is a particular game at 2.40 this afternoon. And I recognize that, yes. Um, and you know what? I want to say this. I hope I have this same problem next week, and especially in two weeks. Amen? That, that will be okay. But uh, we need to kind of focus a little bit uh, for a little bit of time this morning on God's Word because we do have a passage that can be life-changing. And here's the deal. This is my third service this morning now. So if I can focus for three services, you guys can focus for one, all right? And get, get our minds on this this morning. But uh, we got some new lights this week and we set them on some particular colors. Do you see the orange and blue? So we guys are getting ready for the game. Now, I made a prediction a few weeks ago when... Uh, the Broncos played the Chiefs. I made a prediction that we would win, which we did, and I made a prediction of the score, which I only missed it by three points. So I'm going to try it again, all right? 34-23 Broncos. Does that sound good? Will we be happy with that? Okay, that's what I'm going with. Well, listen, hey, I know I asked you guys last week if you made any health decisions for the new year, but let me just ask it this way. Did you guys make any New Year's resolutions at all? If you did, raise your hand. Any kind of New Year's resolutions? Okay, how many of y'all still keeping those so far? All right, you're two weeks in. Good job. Keep it going. One of the things we love about New Year is we have new uh, New Year's resolutions. Um, we have a new outlook in a new year. We get a fresh start. We have new goals, new opportunities, uh, new approaches. You know, we talk about turning over a new leaf. Uh, we hear phrases like, it's time for out with the old and in with the with the new. And, and it can be a great time of self-improvement. And, and, and it's good to make decisions to, you know, improve our life. But here's what I want you to understand this morning. Even though you and I can change the things that we do, only Jesus can change who we are. Amen? We can change the things we do, but only Jesus can change who we are. And he wants to change who we are. He wants to give us a new life, a new you. So as we continue in our study in Ephesians called Who Do You Think You Are? We're learning about our identity in Christ. Today our identity is I am new. Let's all say that together. I am new. And it's important we understand this identity because when you know who you are, then you know what to do. 
how to live your life. And I want to read something that um, was written by a lady in response to some of the teaching here in Ephesians. And I'm reading this by permission, but without a name. And I want to show you how impactful it can be when you understand who you are in Christ and then how you live that out. And she says this, I've listened to the first three sermons on identity, and this was a great encouragement to me. I accepted Christ when I was 17 years old. At the age of 21, I was working for a Christian company with what was supposed to be a Christian boss. But that man sexually assaulted me. He denied it and said I was lying, and that made my life very difficult as a young woman who was not only violated, but then violated again by being lied about. The whole thing turned me away from church. Shortly after, I was sexually assaulted again by a guy I met during school. I couldn't handle it anymore, and I turned to drinking. I became an undercover alcoholic. Then again, about a year later, I was sexually assaulted again by three more guys. I was assaulted by different guys over the course of about three years. Last time it happened was in 2012. I saw myself as even more worthless than I had already, excuse me, I saw myself Excuse me. I saw myself as even more worthless than I had already had prior to these things happening. My mother and father chose drugs over me, so I've struggled with worthlessness since a very early age. That's, that's identity affecting. My identity was found in being sexually assaulted. That, that's an identity phrase there. I found my identity in being sexually assaulted. My identity was found in being sexually assaulted. My identity was found in guys abusing me. I saw myself as a person who guys just used for their pleasures. This became my whole identity and I started to use it to my advantage. Once I knew guys only saw me as an object, I decided that if I needed something from them, I would do things for them. I saw that as normal. I was disgusted with myself, so I had no problem doing this. Each time I went to more and more alcohol, I would burn myself nightly just to feel physical pain because the emotional pain was too much. That's a key statement. My identity was a worthless, disgusting, self-burning object who was an undercover alcoholic. Since I started listening to this sermon series, God is showing me so much about how I have found my identity in being disgusting, worthless, an object, and an undercover alcoholic. I literally could not stare at myself in the eyes when I looked in the mirror in the morning because I felt so disgusting and ashamed of who I was. But here's the good news. I am seeing that I am in Christ. New identity. I see that I am made alive in Christ. I am a new creation in Christ. Lots of exclamation points. I see now that all the death, shame, and condemnation that I deserve went to Jesus and all the forgiveness, love, and grace is given to me. Lots of exclamation points. Hang on. I am loved. I am blessed. I am embraced like Christ. I am seeing that I am free from shame and condemnation. I am starting to see my identity is truly rooted in Christ. It truly amazes me that Jesus chose me in Christ. I am not dirty. I am clean. Is that amazing? That's how impactful this book of the Bible can be when you understand who you are in Christ because when you know who you are, you know what to do. And today, Paul is going to talk to, to us about the fact that once we accept Christ, we are new. 
It's no longer the old you, it's about the new you. And in this passage, in verse 17 through 24, he's going to contrast the old you and the new you, before Christ and after Christ. And he's got some bad news and some good news. Sometimes I'll come home and Shelly, I'll say, how was the day? And she'll say, it was pretty good, but I got some bad news and good news. Which do you want first? You ever have anybody ask you that? I always say, give me the bad news first so we can end on a good note. That's what Paul's going to do. Paul's going to start with the bad news, what the old you was like without Christ, and then he's going to turn to the new you. Now, here's the deal. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ this morning, he's describing how you used to be positionally before you came to Christ. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, whether you realize it or not, he's describing where you are without Christ. So let's begin by looking at the old you, verse 17 through 19. Uh, We'll read those verses and then we'll unpack it. Paul says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk and the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God. He's describing the old you before Christ because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Pretty ugly. I mean, that's the old you. In verse 17, he says in the past, he said, you know, we, we walked like the Gentiles. The Gentiles will be the unbelievers. He says, you know, don't walk like that any longer. We're going to see this word walk keep coming up in chapters 4, 5, and 6. The way you walk is the way you live your life. The way you, you the direction of your life. As a Christian, which direction is it going? And he's basically posing this question to the church of believers in Ephesus. Are you still walking in the same path you used to walk in before you knew Christ? Or are you walking in a different path, in a different direction? Do you still struggle with the same habits, the same sins? Do you still have the same false beliefs that don't line up with the Word of God? Are you still in the same harmful relationships that you used to be in before Christ? relationships that you know whenever I hang out with those people I do things that I'm later ashamed of and I'm convicted about and I feel guilty he's saying to these believers in Ephesus you're no longer to walk in the old you you're to live in the new you and he helps get our attention and describes some characteristics about the old you the old you affected us in three ways first of all the old you it affected our minds We couldn't think straight before we knew God, before we had Jesus. In verse 17, he says, don't walk in the futility of your mind. The the word futility means of no useful result. The way we used to walk and the way we used to think without Christ was of no useful result. Basically, Paul is saying we had a P problem. Now, don't let your minds get run away with you right there on that one. What do I mean? We, we had a problem. We thought that if we had pleasures and positions and popularity and people and possessions, that we would be fulfilled and we would be satisfied. But how many of us have gone after those things and we realize they leave you unsatisfied and empty and without purpose and without joy that you find only in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? It's not the pleasures and the things we do that make us happy and fulfilled. It's not the positions we gain. It's not the popularity. It's not even a person. It's in the person of Jesus. It's not not the possessions. Well, if I just had that possession, I would be happy and I'd be fulfilled. And we get that possession, but then we're still not happy and we're still not fulfilled. He says, we went after things that were futile. We thought they would bring us satisfaction and pleasure, but they were of no useful result. You know, we have a great illustration of that. In the Old Testament, there was a man named Solomon, I think probably the richest man to ever live on this earth. 
Solomon was a king who was on a throne. And, and in his story, if you read about Solomon, he said, anything my eyes desired, I could have. Any position, any pleasure, any person. I mean, he had it all. And he looked at everything. I mean, anything you guys can imagine that if I just had these things, I'd be happy and fulfilled. Solomon had them. And you know what he said? Here was his testimony. He said, I looked at everything that I had, richest man to ever live. And I said, vanity of vanity. It's all vanity. It's all empty. It's all futile. It's of no useful result without God. And so in the past, our, our old you, we, our, our minds were affected. And, and our understanding, verse 18, he says, having their understanding, what? Darkened. You know what you see in the dark? Nothing. You don't see anything. You, you, we couldn't think straight before Christ. We couldn't see straight. Because we, 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 we had no understanding of God's plan and God's purpose for our life and the fulfillment we find in a relationship with God. We didn't understand verses like Jeremiah 29, 11, where God says, I know the thoughts that I think toward you. To, to, to prosper you, make you successful, to give you a future and a hope. We didn't understand that. Many of us before Christ, we just kind of were winging it through life. We were just trying to do life without God and do marriage without God and do our family and our finances without God. And I'll ask you what Dr. Phil asks a lot of people that comes on his show. How's that working for you? How many of you know what I'm talking about? When you try to do things in your life, in your mind, in your way, and leave God out, things get kind of messed up, don't they? They don't work out so well. That's what Paul's saying, the old you. And the reason that we couldn't think straight and the reason we couldn't see straight, verse 18 says, is because we were alienated from the life of God. We were disconnected from God. We were disconnected from our creator. We were disconnected from the source of life who made us. And knows the direction and plan and purpose he has for our life. And, and, and Paul goes on to say that we were ignorant because of the ignorance that was in them. The old you was ignorant. Now, ignorant doesn't mean stupid. It just means we didn't know what we didn't know. We, we didn't know how amazing our God is. We didn't know how incredible it is to have a personal relationship with Jesus. We, didn't, we were ignorant of God's love and his mercy and his grace and his forgiveness and his salvation. Just like that story I read. This is how we were, the old you, the old man, as Paul's going to describe it, before Christ. Our minds were messed up. Not only were our minds messed up, but spiritually our hearts were messed up. He says in verse 18, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling. You know, the heart is very important. God wants to get a hold and touch our hearts. The heart is the seat of our emotions and our will and where we make so many life-changing decisions. You, you find the word heart 900 times in the Bible. God has a lot to say about the condition of our heart. And he says in the past, before somebody comes to Christ, that our hearts are, are blinded and they're past feeling. Another way of saying past feeling is our hearts were calloused. When something is calloused, you get calluses on your fingers from, from working or playing guitar or something like that. You don't feel it any longer. And, and Paul's challenging the, the church in Ephesus and us today with this question. Do you, how's your heart toward God? Do you have a hard heart or a soft heart toward God and the things of God? You see, a tender heart says, God, tell me the truth. I want to know what your word says. A tender heart says, God, change me. God, I want to learn what you want me to learn. I want you to teach me. I want to grow. You know what a hard heart says? No. It says it like that. No. I want to do life my way without God, without his word. I'll, I'll, I'll take my chances. You know, when we hear phrases that we, we tend to say and we don't realize what we're saying 
And we tend to even applaud these sometimes and encourage people, but they don't line up with the Bible. These kind of words and phrases and thinking come from the old man, the old you, without Christ. Phrases like this, well, that's just the way that I am. Anybody ever say that to you? They're doing something, you're trying to help them? Well, that's just the way that I am. Or how about this one? I need to be true to myself. I just need to be true to myself. Or here's a favorite. You know, you just need to follow your heart. Follow your heart. Be true to yourself. That's just the way that you are. That is never a good idea. It's never a good idea to just follow our heart. Because the Bible says our heart is deceitful and wicked and it'll lead us astray. We need to follow the heart that God gives us. We need, to, we need to not be true to ourself. We need to be true to God and his word and his direction and plan for our life. It's not about, well, that's just the way that I am. God says, I know that's the way that you are, but I want to make you new. I want to make you different because the old you will get you into a lot of trouble. Anybody been there? Say yes. So the old man was affected in our minds. It was a, we were affected in our hearts and we were affected when your mind and your heart are messed up. Guess what else is going to be messed up? Our actions. When you don't think right, you don't see right, you're not going to live right. And the old man, our actions were messed up. Look at verse 19, and this is ugly. Paul says that the old you in the past, that we had given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. Those are not words to aspire to. You know, I think in 2014, I'm, I'm going to make it my goal to be unclean this year. I think this year would be a good year to be lewd. <laughs> you know, this would be, this would be a, a good year to, I'm going to be greedy this year. Those are ugly words. We don't want to, none of us want to be that way. But when our hearts aren't right and our minds aren't right, the actions aren't right. You know, you know what Paul is saying here? He, he, he is saying here basically what we say to our silky terrier sometimes. Uh, this is, here's a picture of our little silky terrier, Lola. Go ahead, get it out. Oh, yeah, don't do that. She is naughty. <laughs> she is naughty. We always know when she's been naughty because we can't find her because she always wants to be with us. You know, she's a lap dog. But whenever we can't find Lola... She's hiding under the bed under the cat because we know she's done something wrong. She's guilty. She's been naughty. And we're like, we're, and then we find her. Lola, have you been naughty? And she's, you know. And that's really what Paul's saying. The old you was naughty. It was unclean. It was lewd. It was greedy. Your mind was messed up. Your heart was messed up. And Paul here is describing unbelievers. He said, don't walk like the Gentiles, the unbelievers. He said, this is how the, the lost, unsaved world live apart from God. And he's saying, don't do that. You're, you're new. You're, you're a Christian. Now he's describing this is the, the way unbelievers live, but sometimes believers live like verse 17 through 19, even though we've been made new. And some of you can identify with this better than others. How many of you guys um, were saved after the age of 18? Raise your hand. After, okay, a lot of you, okay? How many were saved after college, okay? All right, you can identify with verse 17 through 19. The old you, mind was messed up, heart was messed up, actions were messed up. For, for some of you, if you were saved like me when you were eight years old, it's harder to understand how ugly 
the old life can be and how messed up it could be. You know, some of us, we need to thank God that, you know, we accepted Christ when we were younger and we didn't have to go through some of this stuff. Now, I wish I could say that were true. I accepted Christ when I was eight years old, but I went to college and it was all about the old you. And I'm talking about before Bible college. I went to University of Oklahoma for four years, and I lived a lot of verse 17, 18, and 19. Even though I was new and I knew Christ, I was living like I didn't until God convicted me and got a hold of my heart and turned my life around. And sometimes we just need to hear a life-changing story to get our attention of how drastically God can change our life from old to new. I ended up with a everyday crippling addiction to methamphetamine and everything that I said about my ex-wife came true for me. I sunk to the lowest gutter I could ever think of. I would spend time with my kid and I'd still be on it because I needed it to function. I started losing my mind. This guy would show up at my house with like a gun and stuff. And then I ran out in Europe, had my drug dealer just crazy. send me drugs through, through the mail. And I'd be tweaked out in my hotel room watching this package come from the U.S. was just nuts. My life just was like spinning out of control. Janae had come out on, a, on one of the tours in the U.S. I just remember me. her skipping around the house. She's singing one of our corn songs called Adidas. All day I dream about sex. And I'm like going, what am I doing? I'm a junkie. My daughter's singing all day I dream about sex. And uh, I'm going to die. My uh, real estate broker, Eric, he, uh, he said, Brian, I don't mean to be weird with you. I, I hope you don't take this the wrong way, but I, f I felt the scripture like jump out at me. I've never done this before, you know, so I don't really know how to do this, but I felt like this would mean something to you. It's Matthew 11:28. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I just I pulled the scripture apart, and I was like, I'm, I'm weary and burdened and I need rest for my soul and uh, I didn't know if it was real but the, you know they invited me to church a couple couple weeks later and I had received Christ I felt so much fatherly love from from heaven and it was like I don't condemn you I love you I love you it was just love love and instantly that love from God came into me it was so powerful that the next day I threw away all my drugs. I quit corn. I was like, I'm quitting corn and I'm going to raise my kid because my kid, like I got the love from God coming to me and then it came out of me to my kid. It changed me. My heart was changed like that. And I was like, Janaya, daddy's going to be home with you all the time. I'm quitting my career. And her face lit up and she's like, for me, you know, she felt so special and uh, God used her to save me to save her. Isn't that a powerful testimony? Can we praise God for that? Going from the old to the new. Now as we read verses 17 through 19 and we study these and we break these apart, I mean we read this and we say, was I really like that? I mean is someone without Christ really like that? I mean it can be tough. It, for some it might even be offensive because of the futilities of our mind. It can seem negative. It's, it's the bad news. There's not a lot of hope in verses 17 through 19. So that's the bad news. Are you guys ready for the good news? 
Here's the good news. Okay, after Paul in verse 17 through 19 describes this is the old you. You know, your mind was messed up. Your heart was messed up. Your actions were messed up. And then one of my favorite words in the Bible, verse 20, but everything changes when God steps in. But this was the old you, but here is the new you. But you have not so learned Christ. You didn't learn that kind of lifestyle, the old you from, from Christ. If indeed you have heard him, verse 21, and have been taught by him as the truth is in who? In Jesus. That now you put off concerning the former conduct, the old man, verse 17 through 19, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your what, church? Of your mind. Because it was messed up before. And that you put on, put off the old man and put on the new man. Which was created according to God. In true righteousness. Being right with God is righteousness and holiness. It, it's, it's the verse we put on the screen. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a, help me church, new. Everybody say new. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He doesn't just turn over an old leaf. He turned a new leaf. It's a new you. It's not an improved you. It's a new you. Old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. Jesus doesn't want to just improve you. He wants to make you a new you. Amen? A new you. Completely changed, completely different. You know, this is what I love about baptism. Anytime we have baptism here at Orchard Church and then, you know, we, we go to a hotel and we put it on the screen for you guys. Sometimes people ask, well, why do you baptize by immersion? You know, why don't you sprinkle or pour? Well, one, because immersion is what you read in the Bible. But why immersion? Because immersion in baptism is a beautiful picture of saying old, bearing the old life under the water, coming up to new life out of the water. Now, that doesn't spiritually happen when you get in the water. It happens when you put your faith in Christ, amen? But the baptism is a public display of an inward decision and an inward change. We're saying, I'm dying to the old me, and I now have a new me in Christ. And the good news is this. The old new affected these negative things. The good news is the new you affects some positive things. Let me give you three of them. Three characteristics of the new you. It changes our conduct. changes the way we live. Verse 22 says that you put off concerning the former conduct, the former lifestyle of the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust. In other words, when you accept Christ, you're no longer to be naughty, you're to be nice. You're to be nice. It's different. Listen, now this doesn't mean you're perfect. It doesn't mean that you don't sin, but it means the direction of your life has changed. You were going this way away from God. Now you're going this way towards God. And it's an ongoing process of growth throughout your life until you go to heaven with Jesus. Doesn't mean you're perfect. Doesn't mean you don't sin. How many of you guys have sinned since you accepted Christ? Would you raise your hand? All right, keep them up. Anybody not raising their hand? They're sinning right now. But it means that your desires are different. The, the direction of your life. It's no more the old you. The messed up you. It's the new you. And maybe this, this illustration will hit home and help you guys. Here's an illustration of the old man versus the new man. This would be the old man, okay? That's the old man. It might win you a few games, but it's not going to get the job done. Here's the new man. Here's the new man right there, okay? This is the one we're counting on. We'll see how it pans out. There's a complete 
change, a complete difference. In all seriousness, when we accept Christ, the new you, our conduct is different. The way we think should be different. The way we see things should be different. Our heart should be different. We think different because of the, the Bible, because of this book. We, we don't just think, well, this is what I think is best. We say, what does God say is best? What, not what do, what do I believe, but what does God say? You know, people ask me all the time, what does Orchard Church believe about such and such? And here's what I say. It doesn't matter what Orchard Church believes. Well, what do you believe? Well, it doesn't matter what I believe. It only matters what this book says. Isn't that the kind of church you want to be a part of? One that constantly asks the question, God, what do you think? God, what do you say? God, how do you want me to live? The new you says, you know, my marriage is different because God is a part of my marriage. My conduct in my marriage is different because of God. My conduct with my kids is different because of God. The way I go to work is different because of God. I don't just go to work, I go to my mission field. I don't just go to school, I go to my mission field. The way I view community, our community is different because I see 90% of the people in our community don't know Jesus. The way I handle my finances is different because of Jesus. There are over 1,400 scriptures about money, possessions, finances. That ought to have an effect on our life. The way that we go through trials as a believer is different. It doesn't mean that they're any easier. It doesn't mean they're not difficult. But you know what? We're able to say, you know what? God will work all things together for good to those who love him. I can trust him when I cannot trace him. I don't have to worry. I can worship. I don't have to panic. I can pray. The new you is completely different than the old you. And you know, our, our conduct, our way of life is different. And, and, and if you're like me, if you grew up in a very conservative church, maybe even a legalistic church, and you go to a verse like this, all you start hearing about is everything you can't do any longer. A lot of people don't come to Jesus because they think, okay, all of a sudden I get this big list of all these things I can't do. And there are some things that the Bible says we shouldn't do as believers in Jesus, amen? But there's also a lot of things the Bible says we should do. And I believe if we're doing the things we should do, we probably won't be doing the things we shouldn't do. And so when we talk about our conduct, it's not just don't do this and don't do this. There's some things we should do differently. The new you does some things differently than the old you. The old you did not, per, did not pursue a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus, but the new you does. The old you probably didn't want to get in front of people and be baptized, but the new you does. The old you didn't want to be in God's word and read it, but the new you does. The old you only prayed when you needed God to bail you out. The new you prays and talks to God because he's your heavenly father and you love him. And you want to talk to him and he wants to hear from you. The old you didn't want to be discipled and grow in your faith. The new you does. The old you only went to church Easter and Christmas. The new you goes, no, I want to go to church all the time. I want to have a family of believers. We're on the same team and we're in this together. And we can love one another and pray for one another and encourage one another and study God's word together and worship together. The old you didn't want to serve, the new you does. The old you didn't want to be in a small group, the new you does. The old you didn't want to give any of your money back to God and tithe, but the new you does because the new you recognizes everything that I've been given is a gift from God. And to give him a portion of that back shows that I believe that and, and I'm honoring God with that. The old you didn't want to help people in need, the new you does. The old you didn't want to go on mission trips, the new you does. Our conduct is different when we've been made new, Amen. Not only is our conduct different with the new you, but our conscience is different. The way we think. Before our minds were messed up, we didn't think straight, but the new you does, is supposed to think straight. Verse 23, being renewed in the spirit of your mind. The new you wants to be renewed daily in the spirit of our mind. This is what Paul described in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. 
And I want to read it out of New Living Translation to get kind of a fresh approach to this verse. And I love how it says it. It says, Paul says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, that's believers, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. And that's the least we can do. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, meaning our conduct is different. The, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. You see, worship is not just coming on Sunday and singing songs. That's part of worship, but it's living a lifestyle of worship that's pleasing to God. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of the world because the world lives like the old you. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You say, well, how, how does God change the way that I think? Right here. Amen? This is it. It's not that I'm not, I'm not going to change your thinking. My goal is not to change your thinking. My goal is to point you to God's word and that it changes your thinking. That's why we teach the Bible here expositionally, verse by verse. We go to books of the Bible most of the time and we just go, okay, this is what God said. And we don't pop around because we, we would probably skip some things that we need to hear. And we say, we're going to study it as God has laid it out because we need to have our minds changed. We need to have our thinking changed. You know, this is why we have discipleship here at Orchard Church where we can help people grow in their faith and, and, and give them a biblical foundation of what does the Bible say because our, our old way without Christ and God, our minds didn't think right. We thought the way the rest of the world thought. But it changes when you know God and you know his word. This is why small group is important where you get with believers throughout the week and you talk about God's word and you learn God's word together. This is why it's important to be reading God's word. I, I know I've been seeing on Facebook and stuff, a lot of you guys have made a great decision for 2014 that this is the year you're going to read through the entire Bible. Man, go for it. You talk about renewing the spirit of your mind, nothing will do it like reading through God's word. Do you know that you can read through the entire Bible in one year if you only read 15 minutes a day? 15 minutes a day. I encourage you, there's a, an app called the YouVersion app. Download that app and there's all kinds of different um, programs they have on there to read through the Bible in a year. That will renew the spirit of your mind. When you think of something being renewed, when, when you're renewed, don't you just feel better? When you're renewed, you, you feel like you got a fresh start. You're you know one thing that renews me? Sunday afternoon naps. After three services on Sunday, I am ready for a Sunday afternoon. And when I get up, I mean, I just need 30, 45 minutes and I get up, I'm like a new person. I feel renewed and fresh. It's, but it's been really difficult with the Broncos games coming on around 2 o'clock. Because by the time I get out of the third service, grab lunch, I mean, I try to squeeze in a nap, but I don't always get it because I want to watch, watch the game. I probably will get no nap today. I probably won't be able to sleep even if I tried because I'm excited like you guys to watch the game. But what Paul's saying here is... Renew the spirit of your mind. And the way you renew the spirit of your mind is through the word of God. Amen? You've heard the phrase, you are what you eat. You know, that's true physically, but it's also true spiritually. The more you eat and devour this book, the more you will think differently. And your mind will be refreshed and renewed. That's why the Bible is described in, in, in um, words like food. The Bible is called meat and milk and water and bread. Because it's meant to be taken in and devoured and it renews our minds. So the new you is affected and our conduct is affected. Our conscience, our minds are affected. And then there's another way the new you should be affected. Our clothes. Our clothes. Now some of y'all are like, hey, 
I thought this was a church that didn't mind what we wore, you know, as long as we have clothes on. We do mind about that. The Bible does say something about modesty. I'm not talking about physical clothes. We're talking about your spiritual clothes. Paul's using this language, put off, take off the old man and put on the what? New man, the new you. He's using this spiritual illustration like clothes. Look at what he says in verse 24. He says, see that you put on the new man which was created according to God. He had told us before to put off the old man. In verse 22, he says, put off the old man. Verse 24, he says, put on the new man, the new identity, the fact that you have been born again. You're a new creation. You're a new creature in Christ. You're a new person. You have a new life. You're a new you. This was so radical in the Bible that when God would step into people's lives in the Bible, they would go from old to new, and God didn't want them to forget it. He would change their name, Abram. The old, old him was changed to the new him, which was Abraham. Sarai, her name was changed to Sarah. Uh, Cephas, we know him as Peter. Saul became, help me, Paul. They put off the old, they put on the new. And here's the point that Paul is trying to make here to the church in Ephesus and to all of us today. If you haven't, if you haven't heard anything else, hear this. Here, he's posing this question. Why would you want to live like the old you when you have been made new? Why would you want to put on the old life and the old spiritual clothes when you've been made new in Christ? doesn't make any sense. It, and there's a great story in the Bible that illustrates this. There's a man, there was a man in the Bible named Lazarus. And Lazarus died. And he was buried in the tomb for several days. And then Jesus showed up and the family was there. And they were all sad and they were all crying because Lazarus was dead. But Jesus had some big plans for Lazarus. How many of y'all remember this story? You know what I'm talking about? Jesus shows up at the tomb and he says, okay, I want you guys to roll the stone away from the tomb where Lazarus is at. And they're like, but he's been dead for four days. He's going to stink. He's like, roll, just roll the stone. Trust me, roll the stone away. You do what you can do. I'll do what you can't do. And then what did he say? Lazarus, come forth. Now, it's, it's, it's important that Jesus said Lazarus, come forth, or there would have been a whole bunch of other people coming forth as well. And he was only dealing with Lazarus. Jesus has that power. So he's like, I'm going to be specific. Lazarus. Come forth. And the Bible says that he came forth out of the tomb. He was given a new life. He was resurrected from the dead. Now, I don't know how your mind works, but I, I would have loved to have been there to seen this scene. Because the Bible says he was wrapped in grave clothes. And I'm just still trying to figure out, how did he come out? <laughs> I mean, I, I just know that he did. But do you remember the first thing that Jesus told them to do? Here was his instructions once, ja once Lazarus hopped out of the tomb there. He said, loose him and let him go. Take off his grave clothes. It makes no sense for a man who's been resurrected from the dead and given new life to continue to wear the old grave clothes and hop around town. That would be ridiculous. And he's saying the same thing to us. We've been given new life in Jesus Christ. Get it this way in your notes. You know what Paul is saying? It's time that we take off the grave clothes and we put on the grace clothes. Take off the grave clothes and put on the grace clothes and walk in the grace of what God has done. And, and, and it's like changing your clothes. You guys can understand this. As I look around, I see a lot of Broncos, jerseys, and t-shirts, and, and other clothes. I don't see anybody in their pajamas this morning. 
you got up, and those of you that wear pajamas, those that you don't, that message is for another day. And so, <laughs> just kidding. You, you got up, you took off your pajamas, and you put on the clothes you have on now. You put off, and you put on. I was in the mall right after Christmas, and there was this little kid running around, and he was still in his pajamas in the mall. Had his little footy pajamas on, running around. I was like, oh, that's really cute. And then I saw his dad, and his dad was still in his footy pajamas. <laughs> Not cute. <laughs> Creepy. But I've seen Christians. You know, when somebody first accepts Christ, it takes a while for God to work. You know, they're positionally they're new, but there's still a lot of the old man that's in their life. It takes time for that to go away. And you understand it with new Christians, baby Christians. But when somebody's been a Christian for 20, 30, 40 years, and you look at their life and they still live in like the old man, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't look right. And, and you think of it this way. Anytime we have a major life-changing transition in our life, we change our clothes. Whenever you go to a graduation, you know who the graduates are. Those who've graduated because they have put on a ridiculous dress and a cap that doesn't fit. There's a change of clothes because there's a change in their life. I, when I joined the military, when I showed up for basic training, I showed up, this is a true story, showed up for basic training. I was in the army for six years. I showed up in flip-flops, shorts, a mullet, and hope. <laughs> and they changed everything about me. Cut my hair, cleaned me up, and put a uniform on me. I had to put off some things to put on them a new identity because now I was in the military. I was a soldier. A lot of you ladies, when you got married, you know, you went into that church or that venue and you probably came in in shorts, jeans, t-shirt, whatever. But before you walked down that aisle, you put that off and you put on a white dress because there was a major life change in your relationship. It ought to be a reminder to us, church, every day that we get up, just as we put on clothes to prepare for the day, let's make sure we're putting on the new you, the new man, the new man, the new identity, that we're no longer guilty, we're forgiven, we're, no, we're not hated, we're loved, we're not alienated, we're reconciled. God is not against us, he's for us. Like the lady said, we're not dirty, we're clean. We've not been forsaken, he's there for us. And for some of you, you may feel like, but I've walked so far away from Jesus. If you would just stop and turn around, he's been following you the whole time. Let's put off the old and let's put on the new. Because our identity is, I am new. Let's live like that. Because when you know who you are, you know what to do. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? With heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment. Let me ask the believers this morning, are you living in your grave clothes or your grace clothes? What, what are you putting on? And, and with heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around for a minute, how many of you as believers in Jesus Christ this morning, you would say, you know what, God has convicted me about something in my life. I know I'm saved, I know I'm a believer, but I know there's some things I still need to put off. There's some things I need to stop doing. For some of you as Christians, there's some things you need to start doing that would be pleasing to God. And you say, I, I don't want to live like the old. I want to live like the new. And God has spoken to me about something today. Can I pray for you? Would you slip up your hand all across this auditorium? Thank you. Hands everywhere. Hands everywhere. Many hands. Many hands. Let me pray for you. Lord, I pray that we would put off the old and put on the new each and every day. 
that we put on the righteousness of God, the holiness of God. Lord, we know we're not perfect. We know we make mistakes. We know we still sin. But Lord, help it to be the desire and direction of our life that we don't want to live like the old man. The old messed up mind and heart and thinking and actions. We want to live like the new man. We want you to give us a new mind and a new heart and a new direction, Lord, for, for our life. And, and that we would live that, that out. Our conduct would be different. And that it would be pleasing and honoring to you. Help us to stop doing the things that displease you. Help us to start doing the things that do please you. To live like the new people that we are in Christ. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and you've never received Jesus as Lord and Savior. Today, God doesn't want you just to turn over a new leaf. He wants to give you a new life. He wants to give you a fresh start. He wants to make you brand new. And if you're here today and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. I want to give you an opportunity to be made new. To be made new. To have a new mind and a new heart and a new direction in your life. I want to lead you in a prayer of faith where you can invite Jesus into your life right where you sit. I'll, I'll lead you in a prayer. Now listen, this isn't a magic prayer. These are not magic words. But if you put belief and faith behind this prayer, Jesus will come into your life. He'll forgive you of your sins and he'll make you new today. And if you're ready to do that, would you pray with me right now? And this prayer goes like this. Jesus, I do believe in you. I believe you died on the cross for me to pay for my sins to make me new. Jesus, I want to be new. I want to be forgiven. I want to know you. And today, by faith, I invite you into my life as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for making me new. Thank you. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around for a moment. I don't want to embarrass anybody. But listen, if you just prayed that prayer of faith for the first time, I want to pray for you as you walk in newness of life and as you grow in your relationship with Jesus. So if you prayed that prayer for the first time, would you slip up your hand right now as a testimony? God bless you, sir. Thank you. God bless you. Yes, Jesus made me new today. I invite him. Yes, God bless you, ma'am. Thank you. Anyone else? Yes, God bless you, sir. Yes. Anyone else? Yes, I prayed that prayer of faith today for the first time. I I don't want to live the way I've been living. I want to be changed. I want to be new. I want to be new. Anyone else? Let me pray for you. Father, we celebrate in those who put their faith and trust in you for the first time today. Lord, we, we know that they are new in Christ. Now I pray that you would help them to live in that newness of life as they walk with you, Lord. Help us as a church to disciple them and help them to grow, get connected to you through your word and, and, and to live out a life by putting on the new person saying goodbye to the old person. Lord, help us all to put off the old and put on the new. Help us to be reminded of that each and every day as we get up and we get dressed. We're not only getting dressed physically, but spiritually. And that the people in, in our life and around us would see, not that we're perfect, not that we're better than anybody else, but that we're new. Because we know Jesus. Because we know you. And we love you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we celebrate those who are new today? Let's celebrate that.